warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Everybody, it's the Real Britannia podcast, the very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. If you were privy to the conversation we have had literally seconds ago, you'd be aware that there is absolutely no professionalism in this partnership whatsoever, Stephen, <laughs> is there, mate? <laughs> no, no, at least of all me. Well, yeah. We've been doing this three, three years, maybe four years, whatever it is, and we still cannot remember what time we arranged to meet every time it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, as opposed to some of us we were just referencing, um, uh, at least we remember what film we're actually reviewing. Yes, we're not going to mention any names, but a dear friend of ours was, was on a podcast and, and the, the people he was supposed to be reviewing with completely got the film wrong that they were supposed to be reviewing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm hoping that you've watched Brassed Off, mate, from 1996, because that's the movie I watched last night. Oh, no, I watched Pro Valley. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> um, yes, Brassed Off, yeah. Okay, so before we go into the trailer, we've got to rattle this one along a bit because, as I say, between us we've got our timings completely wrong and Stephen's going to shoot off at some point. So this has been on your list since day one, hasn't it, mate? I know that for a fact. It has, yeah. I mean, it's it's got a certain amount of um, cashier as far as a British film, um, you know, a modern classic. It became quite quickly within its, its own time frame from the early 90s and obviously it's got a certain amount of resonance for me um because <laughs> yes. of, of, of various elements the, uh, um, the north so, south so divide yes, it, 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 it had to sit in there really and and come up at some point and i'm it's uh, a bit surprising to both of us that it's <laughs> taken this long i was gonna say the uh, the north south divide rears its beautiful head once again so <laughs> and of course all the political goings on for those that haven't seen it it's a British movie, obviously, from 1996, starring Ewan McGregor, Tara Fitzgerald, are the main build characters in this, but we need to talk about this because it's an ensemble cast of wonderful faces that you'll recognise. Yeah. Here's the trailer. We'll be back straight after this. No bloody money, no bloody job, and what are you going to do? Juggle! Bit clumsy with the crockery, old Sandra. Ten years ago, you were so full of fight. Now you just blow your bloody trumpet. It's a bloody euphonium! Gloria Mullings. You had her. Grand bus station. They were top half only. Do you want to come up for a coffee? I don't drink coffee. I haven't got any. Say no to bloody blackmail and yes to keeping this bit alive! Okay, lads. Let's do it. Oh, look, ladies, and this is traditionally a male-only excursion. <laughs> New lass on board, is she? I'll have you know that girl blows flugel like a dream. <gasps> a 
at your age. <laughs> Sex, drugs and rock and roll, eh, girls? I think we can do without drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> Brastoff, released in the UK 1996, directed by Mark Herman. Quite a big name cast when you look at this. When you first off, you've got Pete Pottlethwaite and Ewan McGregor in there. But then, as you run down the list, it is a wonderful cast of familiar British TV faces, I'd say, more than movie faces, wouldn't you, on this one, Stephen? So. Yeah, uh, British, British TV and more your low-budget, British films, you know, your Ken Loaches and, and yeah. Mike Lee's um, type things as well. So very quickly, as well as Pete Postlethwaite, Ewan McGregor, Tara Fitzgerald is sort of at the top of the bill there. But we've got the wonderful Stephen Tompkinson, Philip Jackson, Jim Carter, Peter Martin, Sue Johnston makes a very brief appearance, very underplayed in this. Peter Gunn, you will recognise. Stephen Moore makes a brief appearance and lots of other faces. Let's have the synopsis, mate, because it's your choice. Righty-o. Coyle-Louis Clodia causes community crisis as families fracture, a romance is rekindled and hopelessness hangs while beaten blokes blow their brass. Fantastic. You have just reminded me of a quiz you used to do on a previous podcast you used to host. Oh, yes, the, the, the cryptic... Um, yeah. The descriptions that um, <laughs> me and Smokey used to try and baffle each other with the the, um, ex- the descriptions of a film, the synopsis. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was a, a game and a half. Yeah, we may yeah, have to reintroduce that. that. Yeah, because that's I know that's obviously hand scripted, and you're a big fan of the old alliteration, mate. So yes, you have summed it up in a couple of sentences. But what I sort of discovered with this, it was the first time watch for me in 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 America. This was quite popular and it was billed as a romantic comedy. You know, Tara Fitzgerald and Ewan McGregor were all over the posters. Um, And you could be quite easily misled going into this, thinking that it's a a laugh-a-minute movie. There are some great light touches throughout, some wonderful pieces of script writing. But also, the darkness in this goes to some very deep, dark places, doesn't it, mate, in this movie? It it does. I mean... (laughs) Obviously, um, it's more emotive for me um, being a, a trade unionist in Yorkshire yes. um, and, and seeing, to be honest, the devastation that still abounds from from the pit closures and and you know over things like the steel industry closures mm. and shipbuilding industry closures. But yeah, it's not a dour film, despite having those things in the background. But it certainly co- brings in these elements. I mean, you've got a you know the the darkest end of the scale. You've got you know the 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 debt collection scenario of people in in um you know crippling debt that the can't escape and the violence that's attached to that you've yeah. got the uh, portrayed what was the you know the reality of, of of the massive increase in um in suicides um and family breakups and and poverty and and all all these incredibly you know difficult things but the, as you said the the script and some of the one lines and stuff and some of the references and obviously it's a lot more in keeping with me being able to pick up on some of the things as well um with the the lines um and certainly you know saying about how um yorkshiremen you know showing their their emotions and and things that that again it, it taking a nod at itself and acknowledging itself in in that terms but mm. yeah it's it's not a dour film but it's certainly you know it's not a, a straight romantic comedy despite how that was built in the states because yeah. there was you know the, there's it's a it's a lot more 
as you said, it's a lot more about an ensemble cast anyway. Um, There's a lot I mean, of different storylines going on, isn't there? It yeah. isn't just focusing on the main story of the band itself and what's going on with the pit. Each character has got a little something, hasn't it? And they develop that quite well because... It's only just under two hours long, and there's there's you know sort of six or seven main characters I'd say in this, and each get the fair crack at the at the whip at telling their story. Just to elaborate a little bit, mate, it's it's loosely based on a true story, isn't it? It's the Grimethorpe Colliery Band, isn't it? Not Grimley. This is a fictional town, yeah. Yeah, Grimethorpe, which was you know statistically the the, the poorest um, village um, in the country. Um, at a certain point mm. um, and you know identified by the EU at the time when we were in, in the EU yeah. and the neighbouring areas around there were you know were also um, in that lower category um, and yeah I mean the it was you know that, that end of the of the poverty scale and, and the colliery being the you know the, the sole source of income really for the mm, entire exactly. community and, yeah yeah for a hundred years plus isn't it this is what mm. they're saying and it wasn't the fact that you know, the colliery was closing down. It's something that affects the whole community because 99% of every male adult would have worked there or family would have worked there and there is no other source of employment, basically, around that, that area. And it's not just Grimethorpe. This happened... Well, uh, let, let me just point out that when this first started, immediately I thought this was set in the 80s. Even though this was made in 96, I thought this was sort of set round about the pit strike, you know, the miners strike sort of time, 84, 85 going into that because of the women that were protesting outside the pit. It soon becomes apparent that, no, it's it's sort of set contemporary, isn't it, 1996. It is just evident throughout that the whole of this town's existence is is totally reliant on what's buried underneath the ground there. You know, they, they have all worked there. They've got family that work there. And and one of the most important parts of it that keeps the community together is the brass band. And they don't really elaborate this on too much because I had a tiny little look at the Grimethorpe's, um, the Grimethorpe band's website. Tells the history, tells the true story. And they were quite a big deal, weren't they, mate? I mean, have you read up on it? Do you know sort of the history of the band itself? Because like, throughout the 60s and the 70s, they were regularly appearing on TV, and I think they even did a film score at one point. They played for the Queen and Prince Philip at the British Embassy in Washington when they visited America. They were flown over. Um, quite a big deal. It, it was an irony that, you know, from the poorest area came... Came, you know, the sweetest music in that sense. <laughs> yeah. If, if you, yeah. and absolutely, I mean, I, I, every year I go to the Durham Miners Gala where there's, you know, a, a few hundred thousand people. Wow. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's often um, described as a march, but it's not. It's a shuffle because <laughs> yeah. you move so slowly because the, the, the it is mostly made up of of different brass bands and the occasional wow. um from Scotland come down a bagpipe band and I oh. always seem to get stuck sandwiched between the two. Um <laughs> and um you know there's all you know you can look on the website, see all the photos and stuff mm. of all these these banners parading, you know, in a sea of people with all these banners going down the streets and but the the bands are there, the brass bands are, are alive and well and it's you know, it is despite the closure of of the coal mines and, and things the the bands are still carrying on and not with you know 70 year old blokes yeah. there's you know a, a, i'd say the majority of the people are, are, are 
younger than us mm. um and the, the traditions are being kept alive Good. and the communities yeah. to some extent uh, are being kept alive and as you've said these are the heart of the communities um mm. uh, and the brass bands were an expression of that but the communities were, were built around these industries and um it, ripping these industries out for for political gain rather than for economic um reasons um was an attempt you know that's clearly highlighted. an attempt to break mm. break the north which is a whole p- different political thing that mm. you know could be covered on a different podcast maybe yeah, but yeah. that's um but it certainly shows in this film that the the direct human element of that um on an individual basis and as you've said on an ensemble of people with a few different individuals of different stories of how um even the history from the the minor strikes in in the 80s that's the legacy was still there 10 years later unresolved yeah. um then the fracturing of of different families in that sense and the the debt still left over from that and you're looking at you know one person makes their in- income from basically taking money off people um in a in pool matches um, and <laughs> while there's others you know having to go to a, a, a shop and not being able to pay for the the you know woman paying for the uh, yeah. the sanitary items and the the kid the kid saying about putting them back you know yeah. the, those those um, flying things with wings <laughs> as, as, he, as he references it and there's little things like that in there that there there is comedy in there and it, yeah. but it's but the pathos of it all and showing it's it's a story of community mm. beyond what I'm you know I'm going you know I see in it with regards to the the politics it's it's about community it's about people's personal relationships as well as relationships as a, a group yes. um and you know some of it's quite heartbreaking as well as the the being the the bits that lift you up a bit more mm. as as well seeing people um you know come together to try and and support each other not to overcome the odds and and have some um, tremendous victory, but to just you know, stop, stop, you know, one person sinking like a stone. To try and, I think at different points, various members, uh, uh, you know, are sinking, and yes, you know, those around them pick them up, the, and and there's no one person that 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 really avoids that sinking at some point because of the, their own tragedy going on. Yeah, there's different things, as we said. I mean, Pete Possethwaite is affected by health. Stephen Tompkins' character is the one I wanted to focus on particularly, you saying, you know, that he's the one, he plays Phil, who, whose storyline is the most desperate. He hits rock bottom for, you know, literally. I think what made this scene particularly effective, I'm, I'm trying to get this right, he, he also earns money by being a children's entertainer. Is it Mr Chuckles? Uh, yeah, I think that's the name of the character, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's based on a reality. Is this um, true? There was, because there was well, there was there was a um, there was a miner who during the eighties strikes uh, during the strike he um, went uh, entertaining um, other miners' kids yeah. in in the groups where there were you know there were obviously a school in and out and also the childcare outside of school would would go and entertain kids probably partly also for themselves as far as their own mental health and feeling like they were, you know, doing more than just sat around. Mm. But um, but certainly that was, you know, you know, trying to put back into the community. And, yeah, so there was a, there was a miner in the 80s, I can't remember his, his name, who went around um, doing doing that. And I don't think it was just in his own community. I think he went to other mine communities as well. So it's based, based to, to an extent upon um, on reality is, is a lot of this film, but that bit particularly, yeah. Uh, 
Um, I'm not sure about the incident in the actual church telling people how how the Tories came about, but um, <laughs> the um, but the rest of you know the, the rest and and obviously he is you know he is a desperate character. He's got yeah. the, the, you know that extra stream where he pulls pulls the clown outfit out the back of a cupboard to try and try and recover some money. Well, he's the one that highlights exactly what you were saying earlier about um the debt and and the legacy of the, the the strikes from 10 years earlier because he says i'm still paying that off he's got a very young family three or four kids the wife walks out and leaves him um on top of this he's worried about pete Postlethwaite is his father who's in hospital yeah. and it's a condition that could only have come from the mine because he said he's just coughing up coal. Is it miner's lung they used to call that or something? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, he was saying about his his friend who um, they cut him open and and it was it was just black. Yeah, and it took, took them a week to clean up the um, the mortuary slab. And that's probably tr- tr- true yeah. to a certain degree, mate, isn't it? I mean, it, it did mm. exist that condition. Probably, you know, exaggeration to a certain point there, but it, it's amazing how they touch on it. And I'm also quite glad that. When Tara Fitzgerald's character appears, I thought, oh, we're going to get this big conflict of, oh, we can't have women in the band, or, you know, you don't belong here, lass, what you're doing here, sort of thing. But immediately, what you said about tradition and the youngsters taking over, um, her father or a grandfather... Grandfather, was, yeah. Yeah, was a prominent member of the band for years and years, wasn't he? They're very proud of that fact. And everybody welcomes her. So I was so glad they didn't go down the route of there was this anti-feeling against Tara Fitzgerald's character. And and she just fits in immediately because she knocks them dead with the concerto of orange juice, isn't it? I think he refers to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, if I remember the, from music lessons yeah. at school, wasn't that a guitar piece? I think it's a Spanish guitar thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I believe so as yeah. well, yeah. so and she And she comes in and... She she's miming when she's playing it. Um, to oh. our to our our eyes, we can see that she. she can I just say? Can I just say the amount of people that have picked up on IMDb on the goofs section about oh she pressed her finger on the second valve and it should have been the third and that would have been a beam up. Stop it, people! Please. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's, yeah, you, yeah, it's like these people who count the number of bullets coming out of yeah. John Wick's gun. Um, <laughs> It's uh yeah it's atrocious but mm. um you know well the the only person out the the main cast um of, of actors because obviously the backing the backing band most of the you know a lot of the band that were in the background were yeah. as you say were the um the Grainfort yes band yeah. um but the main character is the only one of those that actually um had any um experience was uh, it, and um, ability uh, which McGregor, uh, Ewan McGregor yeah. who had played um. I think he played played a different instrument, a it's brass some, instrument. It's another horn or a, or a trumpet yeah, or something. Because the French horn, I think he played, but he was, in this he was playing playing the fugal or something. Yeah, a lot of trumpet, do you remember so. um, Dennis Potter's lipstick on your on their collar? Lipstick on your collar from the late eighties. You might have not have seen it, Dennis Potter. Yeah, yeah, did, yeah, 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 and. I think he plays a trumpet in that as well. That's where he first came to prominence, wasn't it? I think lipstick on your collar. That's where he first started. This. It's 1996, isn't it? So where are we sitting in Ewan McGregor's career here? Shallow Grave, is that round about this time? I'm just going to have a quick I think look. Because... Shallow Grave, I think, was two years before this. Yeah. This was, this was two years 
Trying to think with this I'm was just having um, a look, mate. Just having a look because trying to think where this sits with regards to Little Voice. I think yeah, um, I think this is before Little Voice, two years before Voice right. is this. He gets so he'd obviously been able to perfect his Yorkshire accent a little bit by then. <laughs> well, here we go. Lipstick on your collar was ninety three. I did a lot of TV stuff in the run-up to Shallow Grave, which was 94. Train Spotting was the same year, 96. That's interesting. It's 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 listed before Brassed Off, but I don't think no, anybody... The, the, would... haircut, the haircut gives away which order they did it in. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we'll have to work this out, yeah. And then Life Less Ordinary, so he's over at Hollywood next year in 97, Velvet Goldmine, Little, Mo- Little Voice 98, yeah. So yeah, this is just at the cusp of the, the you know the start of his career, and mega stardom. And also, I was thinking, well, Pete Postlethwaite must have benefited off the back of this because he appeared in the first Jurassic. No, he was the first Jurassic Park, wasn't he? No, he was the second. Second. He was the second because right. he he took over from Bob Peck. Um, the guy who played the game hunter, whose name's gone out of my Bob head Peck. now. Uh, Bob Yeah, Bob Peck. Yeah. He died before the second one. Ah. Um, did poor Bob Peck, so um, so they had to have somebody else take over, and and to the Americans and to people who aren't paying attention, they probably didn't realise it was a different actor. But I think, um, <laughs> think it's a different character to be a honest. Different character, yeah. <laughs> but it was, you know, I think in the in the books, I think it was that the, the oh, it was right. it was the same character just continuing, but they had to rewrite it for the films because of Bob Peck dying. So. Um, so, so this... yeah, so but he his career obviously did take off from this. He did. Uh, he, he went into doing. I mean, he did some kind of um, gangster film over in the states as well. Actually, I the, remember the year before uh, he was in The Usual Suspects. Yeah, the year before. Um, so he he sort of came to the attention of the American audiences as well at this point. You know, because of Sharp, <laughs> Sharp, and he was also in Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann in this year yeah. as well. Yeah. It's, this is what I'm saying. It's, it's, you look at the faces on this, and you've got the guy that plays, I think it's the inspector out of Poirot, isn't it? Is it Inspector Jap or something? He's in it, but he was also, you recognise a lot of faces from things like Victoria Wood and Coronation Street. You know, that's where we see him. We've got Carson from Downton Abbey, for God's sake. We've got Jim Carter. Yeah, yeah, and we've got you know Adeline from Bread, yeah, and uh, Sue, Johnson Sue Johnson from Royal Family and yeah. and Brookside, um, you know, and you've got various people who were were in you know things like uh, Last of the Summer Wine, or they were yeah. in um, Phoenix Nights, or you know of all course, these kind of things. Yeah. That it's yeah. it's um, familiar faces abound, like you say, for anybody who, who's uh, sort of British TV and, exactly. and low budget film. Okay, well, talking about the cast, because we're going to get bogged down with all of this if we don't let you into the Village Hall of Fame. So get your keys out, mate. Let's take a little look and see who's actually... I wonder if anyone has actually made it. I've got a sneaking suspicion someone might be inducted this week. Let's have a look. Village Hall of Fame. You are the curator, my friend. I'm hoping, for your sake, it wasn't a busy week for you. How, how were you doing? It, it wasn't. I mean, despite um, all the band members, um, it wasn't actually a, a massive <laughs> cast. Um, yeah. 
we've got um, two people making their second appearance, and, and and one of those is Peter Gunn, as you mentioned previously, um, who was um, he'd been in Twenty uh, Four Hour Party People before. Ah, yep. Um, yep. And um, then we've got um, another second appearance from somebody called Ewan McGregor. I think he went on to do a couple of things, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah something to do with motorbikes, I think. <laughs> um, so what was he in previously? What have we reviewed with Ewan McGregor? Little Voice. Of course, of course, yeah, okay. And then uh, the Little Voice connection actually reaches across to um, a third appearance ah. for somebody called Adam Fogarty. See, I was going to say Philip Jackson, I thought might have been a so, third, but uh, okay. well, well, he's also a connection um, <laughs> because uh, Adam Fogarty was in Little Voice and in Legend. Um, ah, right. You know where they 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 have Tom Hardy and somebody who looks exactly like Tom Hardy and his evil uh, twin brother. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's not the same person, but it's just. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Philip Jackson as well is is obviously Little Voice previously and High Hopes, which uh, we yes. Watched previously yes. so and, and so there's a, a triangle of, of people there with regards to little voice um, reappearances wow. and, and the connection to this and thirdly there's also a, a, another entry into the hall of fame mm-hmm. um somebody called kenneth Curley or collie i recognized the name when i saw it on the yeah. cast list and i couldn't think what i'd seen him in or i mean if you see his face you mm. you, you recognize his face from things yeah. um he was in how i won the war um, right, but he was also um, in the life of Brian. Um, he played Jesus. Right, is this in the, life the guy? Of Brian. Is this the guy that is quite unique? That I think in the same year, he played Jesus in the life of Brian, and he also played Hitler in a movie as well, or something. This is one of those pub trivia quizzes. I'm sure yeah, that's yeah. the guy. Yeah, I think that's the right guy. And I mean, you know, you McGregor has, has played Jesus in something as well, so there's a connection <laughs> there. But um, but yeah, I mean, Philip Jackson, as you say, um, you know, familiar face from things like um, the Ken Loach films and things yeah. like that, and Mike Lee's, and also from from the David Suchier. He's definitely uh, the inspector in. in he's, I think he he's is. Inspector he's Jap. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you've had quite a busy. Have you got any more than so, three? No, that's it. No, yeah. that's it. There was there was a two second appearances and the, the three third appearances, um, and and that was it. So um, despite the familiar faces, like you say, you expect Jim Carter and and such to appear. Well, again, um, in future, um, and there was a couple. There's one or two people who I noticed are, are in some Bond films as well. Um, when we get further into that, I but think at Stephen the moment, Moore no, this might is it. Be might in a year. That's true. Um, has Tara Fitzgerald appeared in anything we've done? I swear we've seen her in something. No, because I had a feeling that yeah. she was in, she'd been in something and um, I looked and I couldn't... No, OK. okay. Uh, well, once again, I mean, Philip Jackson, who would have predicted that Philip Jackson would get in before Terry Thomas or James Robertson Justice, you know? Or, or, or Ewan McGregor. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's just proving how bizarre this whole experiment is that we set up a couple of years ago but I'm, are you happy to stick with this because i'm finding this absolutely um, yeah I, I, you know geekiness of, of it all <laughs> um it, it keeps you know i'm happy to to go i mean i'd probably keep having a look for my own purposes even if i wasn't telling people on mm. on the podcast with it um, <laughs> i thought he was going to say it's so. keeping me up at night then i thought he was going to say it's keeping me awake but yeah. it's like... <laughs> no no and it's as i say it, it is fascinating to to see who who gets in there you know, we're, we're over 250 inductees now, and you <laughs> McGregor still isn't in there, and, and Terry Thomas isn't in there, like you say, and it's a, a bit 
bit strange who is and who isn't. And it's, um, it's just it's short of a hundred movies as well. We're not talking that we've covered 300, 400 movies or whatever. We're still in, in sort of double digits here. It's incredible the, the faces that are cropping up again and again and again. Um, and they're not the ones we're expecting, which is brilliant. Thank you for doing that as always, mate, because I honestly didn't realise what a sort of Herculean task it would turn out to be. But you're doing a sterling job, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I am. I'm fully. Uh, I would have fully expected to see Victor Harrington in it if he hadn't have already passed away before this was filmed. Oh, bless him. He's <laughs> pro- pro- probably in the cemetery on the hill somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you got to look a little bit look in the background on this film for for things because there's look like the bus the the coach that te- you know that yeah. takes them to the uh, it, it, it says it says New York, Paris, um, Milan, London, but mostly mostly grimly. Mostly grimly, yeah. And it's Arkwright's Arkwright's coach. Ar- Arkwright's. Yeah, I did <laughs> I did I did think to make some kind of joke about he branched out from the corner shop at yeah. Arkwright. <laughs> for you, I mean, th- this is sort of fairly close to your heart what with location what with subject matter and you you lived through it i mean you were you're a teenager early 20s whatever going into this sort of era i mean this is a favorite of yours i mean you must have watched this a fair few times you sort of find impressions mate and just just sort of give us a bit of a summary of of why you like the movie and, and but for me personally before you do i mean the first time watch for me absolutely loved it wasn't expecting too much of the dark stuff. I was expecting something a bit lighter, but it made it a better movie for it. It made it a bit more fleshing out of the characters and the storylines were just that bit more punchy and hard-hitting, and I loved it. And the music is absolutely fantastic in this. But sorry, mate, if you could just sort of finish this off with just your final sort of like thoughts on, on the movie itself. Yeah, you're absolutely right that it's, it's not a romantic comedy. It's not just set on the backdrop of... of of this scenario um and the the focus is this tara fitzgerald coming in as management and getting and the the conflict of of the romance across the Mm. you know the lines like the romeo and juliet type thing that isn't that is underplayed um and the focus is elsewhere and it does make it a better film for it obviously i can totally accept that i've got a bias towards it because of of my sympathies and and Mm. the fact that you know i still sit in meetings with with people who um have gone through this um either in the 90s or even in the 80s and the communities are you know there's still people who walk walk on the same side of the street as somebody else who 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 broke a strike or whatever or 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 voted in the wrong way and all these kind of things so i can accept on that side but for i think for everybody there's 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 something in this because of the pathos that there is and the way in which the characters are not just written but they're actually um portrayed by the actors it's, there's not really anybody that's uh, that's 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 overblown um certainly they're they're characters in a sense but mm. they're they're not there's no caricatures there's nobody, is there yeah there's and there's nobody who's bombastic who, no. who you just think well that's just you know over exaggerated mm. or, or whatever yeah um and it does you know it it does bring out the heart of the situation and and um does make you feel for the people and you know be glad that you you, you didn't have it yourself but um no it's and the, because of the humor in there and because of the way that you know as you said the, the music um and the focal point of, of that in you know sort of carrying through yeah um it doesn't make a, as much of a, a thing as it 
as some other films do with regards to chasing the um the fight back against the the closures like you might have um in other other things like um uh, proud valley as i mentioned before um yeah. with, with paul robeson from the 40s or yeah. um you've got um the or, or the actual stereotype thing with a a, a band trying to win the look ch- you know win the championship yeah, and, and all that kind of stuff which was yeah. um done again by by um by uh i'm trying to remember there was a film in the, in the 70s that became a tv series Oh, uh, was, was it the some... Shillingbury Blowers? That's it, Shillingbury Blowers. Where the, <laughs> yeah, Robin Nedwell. Which, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Which um, you know is is not set in a um, not set in, in a, a mine situation, but you've got you know you've got that. But it does sort of sit in a series of films for me. Really, you know, this is the 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 middle of a you know Proud Valley being at one end of the you know one end of the scale and, and time frame. Yes, you've got this in the middle, and then more recently you've got Pride. Um, yeah, and I was thinking which, of Made in Dagenham. Which again is a film that yeah. makes me, yeah. And yeah, I mean, Made in Dagenham, there's a few other mm. union-related films like that, yeah. of the fight back, but um, in relation to sort of the communities, um, sort of that solidarity in yes. the communities and also seeing that, the, you know, there's a, the, a certain amount of humour and the fact that, um, you know, music carries through. Now, obviously, in, in Pride, it's more synth-pop than it is um, brass bands, but still, yeah. um, this, this, as I say, it... it I understand that this is a film that has more heart in it for me because of my my closeness to the situation. But I think for everybody, it's one that um, they can get something out of because of of the way it has the pathos and um, the characterisation. And the story doesn't dwell on any one element too strongly. It sort of spreads it evenly amongst um, characters and and their storylines and gives you enough of each to not feel like they're underplayed or underfinished um, with regards to what's going on. So, yes, I think it's a, a, a film that people, a lot of people will be able to watch and get something out of, um, and and they should... Oh, on all different you know, should, levels. should go out, yeah. go out there and try and get it. I don't know whether... I think it... I don't know if it's on film for... I'll on tell the, you where on I watched the, it. The, the, or I'll, not. Um, yes, but, it's, just, it's on BritBox now. Because Britbox, Britbox have got a massive selection now of film four movies, uh, which I don't think you subscribe to, do you? You're not you're not a subscriber to. Britbox. Not at the moment. No, I'm, I'm. You know, you're. You keep dropping, you keep dropping in saying, "Oh, they've got this on Britbox, <laughs> yeah. this on Britbox," and I keep thinking, "Oh, it's... I'm edging towards." Initially, I thought no, and then now I'm thinking. Mm, do you know what? Yeah. I, I, I'm not a great TV watcher for. Yonks, I used to just watch movie, 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 you know. And I'm going back and sort of dipping into some of the old classic comedies and dramas and stuff, and stuff that I missed, you know, when it was on first time round. And, and, and when they've started throwing in all these Film 4 productions as well, I'm thinking, do you know what? This is it. This is... Keep your Netflix. You know, this is perfect. Even. Well, it's... Com- yeah, it's the... the it's it's the, the this sort of trove of, and treasure um, mm. of... British film, but also, you know, the older TV series that you haven't yeah. seen in years, um, yeah. that still stand the test of time um, for their humour, yeah, exactly. um, but have been, you know, lost um, to some extent. So yeah, it's tempting me. I might, you know, I think it's I'm on the cusp of, of delving into I it. I think um, you get a week free as a trial. Yeah, I think they give you a trial week for nothing, mate. So it might be worth just having a little look. Um, 
even if you just watch a couple of dozen movies in that week, mate, from Film 4, because they go right back to the early days of Channel 4, 1982, when they had Patang Yang Kipperbang and um, Walter, you know, those very original movies that Film 4 very first made in the early 80s. They're all on there. Listen, mate, what we're going to do, because we are running a little bit short of time, we're going to play a bit of music, I think, from the film, to see us through to what we're going to be watching next time.
Okay then, mate. Thank you for Brassed Off. That was an absolute pleasure watching that last night. And I'll probably watch it again. It's one of those ones that I think you can go back to quite often, as you have yourself. So I'm going to bring things down a little bit, unfortunately. I was I was toying with the idea of going back to a 50s comedy or a classic war film, but we've covered quite a few of those recently. And... I was just flicking through, just checking out some British movies, and I thought, you know what, let's do something that I haven't seen again. And I've got a funny feeling you might not have seen this. You may prove me wrong. It's always difficult to judge with you, mate, that whether you've watched <laughs> movies. And I can never, you always surprise me as well when you tell me the stuff you have watched, or, you know, you always find it fascinating. Like when I told you I hadn't seen Brassed Off before. It's you your know. wilderness years that just surprise me. There yeah. are a few of those. It isn't just a, you know one period of a couple of years. There's several of them, mate. Dotted for it. That's alcohol for you, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm going to bring this right down. Um, from the comparatively light-hearted Brassed Off, we're going back to 2008, so fairly recent for us. And it's from a director called Steve McQueen. Not the King of Cool, but Steve McQueen, who went on to direct 12 Years a Slave. This is his debut directorial effort, starring Michael Fassbender, and it's telling the story of the 1981 hunger strikes, and Bobby Sands in particular. We're going to be reviewing Hunger. I think you... uh, Yeah, you're right. I haven't actually um, seen it. Hmm interested um, yeah absolutely yeah yeah I, I know of it yeah same here um, and the, the acclaim it's got and the reviews are all fantastic and Fassbender's supposed to be brilliant in it I, I just wanted something a bit punchy something that spark a bit of conversation and a bit of grit mate yeah yeah I mean strangely enough it, 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 it his name Bobby Sands was mm. got into my ears the other day yeah because I'm I was catching up a bit on our friend um Tom's Band biography yes. um, podcast, and yeah. I was listening to the episode about the uh, the uh, the undertones. Yeah. So, um, and it mentioned about their their appearance on top of the pops, where they were, where one of them was wearing a black armband. Yeah. Um, and um, the politics that ensued from that when they weren't really a political band. Um, but um, so yes, it is. You know, it's a film that I haven't seen, but mm. certainly um, will. Um, not really enjoy watching. As such, oh but, no, no, uh, no! We always go over this before that you know there's certain things you don't you don't enjoy as such, but you do um, get get a, 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 a pleasure out yeah, of watching it's, the quality it's a and the story word. of it. So. Yeah, to, to say that you enjoy this type of movie, people look at you and say, "Well, you weirdo," you know. Um, not many famous faces that I can see, although uh, you know the, well, the names I'm not recognising, but we may recognise the faces. The only one that's jumping out is Liam Cunningham. I think we'll recognise Steve McQueen obviously gone on to mega stardom now I just wanted to watch something I hadn't seen before just a bit bit punchy this time mate so we'll be reviewing that in a few weeks time brilliant so that's it it's Real Britannia for another week Stephen thank you so much for being there again today mate it's okay I'm, I'm very, my pleasure and happy that we managed to make it here at the same time <laughs> Again, the professionalism. Just don't believe the tagline, ladies and gentlemen. It's not true. Um, There's not even a hint. No. Not even a hint. Not the merest hint. <laughs> this has been real Britannia. I've been Scott. He's been Stephen. Thanks for listening, guys. See you soon. Bye bye. Take care.
positive shot. Bon voyage. Good luck. Thank you. British hand up, sir.